Hello, my name is Matt Diemer, former congressional candidate for Ohio's 7th District, and this is Cuyahoga Today, brought to you by the Cuyahoga County Democratic Party, where we bring you Democratic Party updates, political and informational conversations, everything that is happening in Cuyahoga today. Also, if you could, do us a favor. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please click the five-star rating and leave us a nice comment. It helps people find this show and give them confidence when they click on it. If you're on any other app, like Spotify, there are also places where you can leave five-star ratings as well. If you have any questions or comments for me or the guests, you can reach out to mdiemer at kydem.com. That's mdemer at cuidem.com. This is your executive vice chair, Juanita Brent. We have an important election coming up on August 8th. In this election, we encourage you to vote no, and I mean it, you gotta vote no, to ensure that we protect our democracy. See you at the polls August 8th. One person, one vote. And here are your upcoming Democratic Club meetings. For Tuesday, June 27th at 6 p.m., Cleveland Ward 2 is meeting. At 6.30, Rocky River Democratic Club is meeting. And at 7 p.m., we have three, Bedford, Walton Hills, Brexville, Broadview Heights, and Ward 16. For Wednesday, June 28th, we have Ward 12 at 6.30 p.m., and Westlake Democratic Club is meeting at 7. Thursday, June 29th, Lakewood Democratic Club is meeting at 7 p.m., and finally, Monday, July 3rd, South Euclid Democratic Club is meeting at 6.30 p.m. And now, without further ado, for Gun Violence Awareness Month, we're speaking with Moms Demand Action. And we're going to go through what is Moms Demand Action, their position on gun legislation, their position and view on the Second Amendment, and much more. And like always, if you ever want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me at M-D-I-E-M-E-R at kydem.com. That's C-U-Y-D-E-M.com. Enjoy. I'm sitting here with Mimi and Andrea from Moms Demand Action. Welcome to Cuyahoga today. Thank, Thank you. you. Excellent. Mimi, do us a quick favor and just introduce yourself. Mimi Karen, uh, Clevelander, uh, Eastsider, and I've been in Moms Demand Action for a few years. Uh, the shooting um, in Parkland at Marjorie Stone Douglas uh, high School was, was what finally got me to stop sleepless nights and actually become an advocate for gun sense in our country. And I was saying before, also uh, my daughter, who's 25, very politically involved in advocacy and sort of was my inspiration. Awesome. And now I'm here. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thanks Thank for coming you. out. Happy to be here. Andrea? Yes. Um, Andrea Cavesdi. Very similar story to Mimi. Is also uh, an East Sider at heart. Now I live in Independence. Um, I got involved in Moms after the Parkland shooting. Um, and yeah, I mean, we are, are well, you're probably going to ask us, so I won't say what exactly we do with Moms <laughs> Demand Let me, let me define a, a couple things really quick. And um, I know this is these are very hard topics to talk, talk about, but you mentioned Parkland. I know Sandy Hook was something that also happened, and we're going to go back to Columbine. Not everybody else is you know, old enough to maybe even remember Columbine. Can you just talk about those really quick before we go into Mom's Demand? Well, if I could start with Columbine. Um, so Columbine happened in April of 1999, and my son was four weeks old mm. that day, mm-hmm. and my, my firstborn. 
And I remember thinking as I sat down to feed him and I turned on the television and that's all that was on, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to homeschool. I was petrified. And it was, at the time, it was such an unusual story. It was just not something that anybody could have expected. It, it changed everything. I think so. Yeah. Yes. It, to me, the idea that a child could leave for school and not return because they were shot and killed was unfathomable. And I remember thinking, my oldest was, she was almost two, that, well, surely some they, our lawmakers will fix this. This mm-hmm. is going to change. And I will not have to worry about something like this happening. And not then to my child. Then Sandy Hook, then Parkland, Uvalde. Uh, countless others that right. we don't necessarily need to mention or even are aware of because it's so common. Right, right. Sadly. Yes. Sadly, it's so common. What is Mom's Demand? And when and why did it start? Obviously, we understand why you got in, but what was the, who was the founder of Mom's Demand and what was her motivation? I'm assuming she's a mom. Yep. Yes. Um, Shannon Watts is the founder of Moms Demand Action, and um, she started it the day after Sandy Hook in 2012 um, when she was looking for a group like Moms Demand Action to join and couldn't find one. And it started as a Facebook page, and it is now... We just had our 10-year anniversary. Um, it is now a movement of more than 10 million Americans. Wow. In all 50 states. Um, and Sandy Hook was uh, also, it was 20 kindergartners, and it was three, I believe, or six uh, adults. adults that were murdered in the school. Mm. Um, so I think she sort of had had enough and was looking for others and not finding that on social media, uh, started her own group and so, grew from there. So Moms Demand is an advocacy group. Uh, you have mentioned offline be- before that you're not anti-gun, you're anti-gun violence. What is the mission of Moms Demand? And is, is there a dance, dad's demand? Can dads join? Dads can join. Anybody can join. As we said, um, our old mantra was mothers and others. We are mothers and others. We are moms and more. Mimi, what was that that you if said? If you had a mom, yes. you can become a, a volunteer with Moms Demand Action. I had a mom. Okay, so you're welcome. in. You're I welcome have a aboard. Mom. <laughs> I have a mom. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Yes, um, yes. We are nonpartisan. Uh, we are research-based. We work to diminish gun violence and keep people safe, um, public safety. Generally. So you are the state legislative co-leads. What does that mean? Yes. So that means that we mobilize. We have a a large team all around the state of legislative volunteers, um, and we get them to, we we basically advocate for stronger gun laws. As I had mentioned to you before, I was not tuned in to what was happening legislatively in the state of Ohio before I got involved with Monster Mm -hmm. Man Action. So we really educate people on, you know, where you can find out what's happening and what you can do about it to um, let your representatives know what you want to see happen and what you don't want to see happen. We educate people about the bills that are in the state house right now and um, work to advocate mostly in Ohio opposing them. And we work, we have volunteers all over the state that will make phone calls uh, present testimony, send in testimony. So our, our work is really we lead Moms Demand Action volunteers across the state 
to advocate for uh, safe gun laws. I, I want to go into the, the gun laws in a, a little bit, but I also want to understand some of the laws that were passed in Ohio um, that are not what you're advocating for. But before we get into that, uh, I heard that the leading cause of ch- death for uh, kids 18 and under or 19 and under is gun violence now, and that's not always been the case? True, yes. Um, In 2020, firearms became the leading cause of death for children and teens ages 1 to 19, um, and it overtook automobile accidents, which I believe was a long time the leading cause of death for children and teens. And now every year, 19,000 American children from 1 to 19 are shot and killed or wounded in this country. Mm. And the majority of that is from homicide, which to me is incredible. That Not suicide. No. Suicide is, is next, but to me that is – it's all preventable hmm. and terrible, but um, the fact that it's homicide in our country is repulsive Where's the me. homicides coming from? Is it like streets uh, or is it like in classrooms? Is it at home? Well, this is interesting that I read the other day. 46% of mass shootings, which we consider four or more uh, people killed, come from a domestic violence. Whether it's someone who shows up at a person's workplace or comes into the house, it stems from a domestic violence situation. So that is, that's 46%. And to answer, I I would say that the majority, the vast majority of these um, child and teen gun homicides and also unintentional shootings happen in the home. Hmm. When it comes to schools, um, and going a little off track again, we'll get into uh, the the state gun laws in a little bit, but going into schools, we we just spoke about, you know, Sandy Hook, Uvalde, um, Parkland, and and so on and so forth, and uh, Virginia, high school graduation shooting just had uh, happened a couple of weeks ago where they weren't in school, but they were just graduating. And we had people, 18-year-old, going to, going to go to college, start their, you know, their adult lives. And that was cut sadly short. And the solution is to put cops in schools. We saw that didn't happen Evolve Day. We saw bulletproofing windows in, in high schools, uh, putting numbers on the outside so we know which classrooms are in. If there's a call to the police and there is a shooting inside, to... I think we're going to get into arming teachers to making one way in, one way out, and having, you know, barriers between and different levels, like going into a castle, if you're a medieval medieval castle going into the the schools. Are those solutions? They're not solutions. I call them Band-Aids. They're Band-Aids. And they... Can um, you explain that? They look look good, I think, to voters, uh, to citizens, but research doesn't support any of those things, that any of of those uh, pieces will make this a better situation. What we know, uh, because we're all about research in Moms Demand Action, actually uh, having preventative measures, access to mental health counselors and therapists for children, getting to the point where we don't have to prevent a shooter, we have to uh, provide support for a student who is at, at risk and teachers and professionals in the school can be able to determine what kind what child may need uh, mental health support or additional help and we hear this in in so many shootings where mm-hmm. 
you know, police were called multiple times or, you know, the FBI um, uh, where you leave a voicemail. You know, people did notice. The teacher tried and balls are dropped. And what we need to have are, are measures where professionals in schools and teachers and mental health professionals are not uh, in situations where balls are dropped. Mm-hmm. Those are things that are, are helpful and that we know will help. Let's go into some of the legislation that's happening in, in around Ohio right now. You told me a very interesting fact uh, that you can find on every town as well that Ohio ranks in like behind Texas. You yes, said? yes. So every town for gun safety, which is Mom's parent organization, um, ranks all the states by strongest to weakest gun laws, and Ohio is number thirty-three out of fifty, and we are behind Texas at number thirty-two. <laughs> yes. And, uh, I mean, Texas, going back to Uvalde, within the year after Uvalde, which we just passed the one year, had about 50 mass shootings in that year after Uvalde. Do you know how many Ohio had? Um, I do not know a particular number. Sorry, that was just off the cuff. I'm shooting from the hip with that one, pun intended. (laughs) Number 33, and I'm going to assume it's because of some of these gun laws. Open carry, conceal and carry without a license or a permitless carry. Stand your ground laws. Can can you do us a favor and please just define those? What is an open carry? What is open carry? Open carry means you can carry your long gun off your shoulder out in public anywhere. You do not need a permit to do that. You can just stroll down the street. So I go to Walmart, buy myself a 12-gauge, strap it onto my shoulder, and just walk go around. Go anywhere you want. Nobody can touch me. No. Okay. No. Um, what about a handgun? Is, is that also open carry or no? Um, I believe a handgun, I believe so, that you could have it exposed. Yeah. That, yeah, there's Linus, nothing. As yeah. as people can see it. Right. Underst- understood. Yeah. Permit, permitless carry, what is that? And that's, a, that's new, isn't it? Right. That was last yes. year. Um, permitless carry is, uh, you used to, in order to carry a concealed handgun, you needed to get a, pass a background check and have eight full hours of training, uh, mostly safety, on on how to use a handgun. So now we don't need to in Ohio. Permitless means that permit, that that background check, the eight hours of training, you no longer need. So just like um, open carry, you now can carry concealed without any training or any permit. So you now can also get that 12 gauge at Walmart and well I think Walmart doesn't anymore but carry it concealed and the differences in open and concealed so open while not a great thing is is if you're carrying that 12 whatever and I can see it I can leave I can say I don't want to be in a place where they are where this guy is so I'm going to take my little children and we're going to hit the road right but with concealed I don't know, and so I can't leave. And now you also don't have training, so I don't know if you're going to pull, the, you know, something, uh, if it's going to misfire when you're getting the wallet, you know, out of your back pocket to pay mm-hmm. for something. Um, I mean, none of them are great, but at least with open, I can leave. Yeah, and, and I just have to throw in one of my favorite lines from the proponents when permitless concealed carry, I just don't call it permitless carry because it is permitless concealed carry. When that was in the state house going through all of the hearings, every proponent, not that there were many, but every single one of them would say, 
well, I'm going down the street with my handgun in the front of my pants and everybody can see it and that's perfectly legal. But if I get a little chilly and I throw my jacket on, all of a sudden I'm a felon. That was their, one of their favorite things to say. So, yeah. So this was all about keeping them comfortable. This, this, makes, this makes me think about doctors, doctors that have to have continuing medical education or um, real estate agents or... You know, any, any other profession that needs to have training, constant training to make sure they're up on the law so that their skills are intact, that their knowledge is intact. Why are people against just doing that or being licensed or having continuing education when it comes to firearms? Is Or are they for it? And is this, this is a law? Yeah. I, no, I, I, I believe that um, I had seen a poll that 60% of Ohioans across the board were opposed to permitless carry. 88% of Americans are opposed to permitless carry. Yeah, it is a matter of us not being heard by the people that are making the laws. It's also mm-hmm. it's hijacking the Second Amendment. Um, the Second Amendment is not about anyone wanting a gun and being able to bring it anywhere. And so we hear that something like eight hours of training is an infringement. It's an infringement on my Second Amendment right. Okay, that is, that's total bullshit. There have been weapons restrictions since the beginning of our country. And so we have this new gun extremist that feels that eight hours of training is an infringement on Second Amendment rights. And that is, that is not the Second Amendment, and that is not an infringement, but it is completely misrepresented. Can, can, can I push back a little bit with that? It, Ohio's a big place with a very diverse population. If you're in Columbus or in Cincinnati or in Cleveland and densely populated areas where you do have areas with more violence or gun violence than others, you would say, like, yeah, let's get guns off the streets or, yeah, you know, nobody should have this and or just stop it, you know. But if you go down to places like Wayne County, Medina County, Holmes County or other counties, uh, rural counties within Ohio – Having a gun is not only personal safety, it's, you know, economically, you know, the best in your best interest because you can protect your farm or your, you know, your equipment from coyotes or what have you. And, you know, you grow up with guns. You go get yourself a rifle. You have a rifle from your father and you pass it down to the kid. And it's more of a way of life. Like, isn't that doesn't that make sense, too? It it does make sense. And again, we're not anti-gun. We promote responsible gun ownership. Um, and um, just to go back to not only the per- permitless concealed carry, but for so many of the pro-gun rights or gun lobby bills that have been passed recently in Ohio, law enforcement also was against and came to the state house and testified against these bills. Again, back to, yes, we understand that people want to have a gun to defend themselves if you don't have training, you're, you're not going to protect anybody in anything. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, with permitless, one of the issues and one reason law enforcement oppose permitless is because in a chaotic shooting situation, if a citizen has a, has a gun and is holding it, how will the right. law enforcement know that this is a person trying to protect right. versus trying to kill? Yeah. Uh, innocent victims. If you don't have training and you're carrying your your gun for um, in public for safety, you're you're not going to you're right. not going to be able to help the situation. 
Um, and I wanted to get back with regard to city, urban, rural. You are not wrong. And there are very different opinions across our state, just like in our country. But in a city like Cleveland, we have to follow the same gun laws that um, are passed in Columbus mm. that might represent voters in in Wayne County. And that's a problem we have in our state where um, cities cannot pass gun laws that represent the voters in the city. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and another important aspect is going back to the permitless carry is that also gave law enforcement the opportunity to deny permits when people had to apply for permits. And at least, I believe it was like between 2,000 and 2,500 permits were denied in Ohio every year in recent past history. So, you know, those permits are denied for a reason. And like Mimi said, having people that are not trained and we know nothing about them and it, it defies the whole good guy with a gun premise that we hear often from the other side also, is it's not making us safer. It's making mm. us less safe. Stand your ground laws. What, is, what does that mean to stand your ground? Honestly, uh, off, by just looking at it, by hearing it, it sounds reasonable. Is it not reasonable? It, it's very interesting that you say that because at first glance, many of the gun bills that we first read, it's like, oh, that sounds, that sounds okay. <laughs> No, it's actually the uh, self-defense laws that we've had in Ohio and across the country are quite sufficient and supportive of, of self-defense. But with regard to um, stand your ground, it removes the duty of retreat, of, for you to retreat. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to shoot with, with lethal force in a situation where it would have been, you would have been fine to actually walk away. You don't have that duty anymore. Just eat a little humble pie, turn, just turn the cheek and walk away yeah, instead it of makes, shooting? It makes many situations that would not have been violent and, and deadly, now violent and deadly, mm-hmm. because you have the law supporting what you're doing. Okay. Yeah, and what's really, um, I don't know if <clears throat> interesting in the word, but um, with those stand your ground laws, which we call shoot first laws, mm. oftentimes you there are two people in a confrontation with no witnesses, and somebody takes out a gun <laughs> and then feels and because there, they have that law behind. Now there's one person left in exactly. the situation. And guess what? In the state of Ohio, if you're the aggressor, you can't use stand your ground. But who's going to say? Who was the aggressor? the aggressor right. when there's two people and one of them is no longer with us. Interesting. Because of well, shoot first. I mean, this was Ahmad Aubrey, the case with in South Carolina, where he was running in a neighborhood and was shot and killed, and they they used stand your ground, but there were actual video cameras that right. uh, that proved. I don't know how many days later. It was it was a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. There's not always video cameras, actually. Right. So had there not, and they called stand your ground, they would have been free rather than, you know, serving life in jail. Ohio and some um, representatives or senators down in Columbus have introduced some bills to combat some of the state gun laws that we just spoke about, uh, including HB 170. What is HB 170? Extreme risk laws. 
Yes, HB 170 is exactly that. An extreme risk protection order would be enacted if that were passed. Um, That's what people hear as red flag. Red flag. Okay. And um, I will tell you that I think uh, every year one of these is drafted by um, uh, a Democrat or two um, and doesn't get very far. So we were happy to see um, HB 170 recently like in the last two weeks i already had a sponsor hearing so and what what is a red flag law a red flag law is a law that would allow law enforcement in and they're written differently um this one exactly is it it's law enforcement? usually law enforcement family members right if they noted if they believe that um a family member is um will potentially harm themselves or others if they pose a threat, uh, their firearms can be suspended. But it has to go through, you know, people are always afraid right. of guns being taken. You know, this is, it has to go through a legal process mm-hmm. that, that is, is constitutional. Process, yeah. And, you know, this happens actually in um, custody battles all the time where, where kids are, um, you know, taken out of the situation. Um, we can, we should be able to, if we can do that with kids, Yeah, I, I think we should be able to do that with firearms. Right. Um, and so we hear all the time about family members who are horrified that they are not able to get firearms away from a family member and then he, the family member commits suicide or shoots others. And this gives concerned families and law enforcement the ability to go through due process. And I also want to add that law enforcement, we have heard in testimony and and through um, research um, that domestic violence calls are the most dangerous for them. We lose law enforcement all the time and, and many throughout the year because they're victims of gun violence by answering a domestic violence call. And this uh, red flag, ERPO, helps prevent this. So it's not just for family members. It's not just for uh, a gun owner who is having some issues, but for law enforcement as well. And so a party that backs the blue should also be supporting red flag. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, so we had a um, family member a couple years back that had a mental health crisis, and uh, we had to um, take action take action as a family mm-hmm. I ended up uh, moving stuff out of, out of the apartment and um, found a firearm and understood and, and actually the call to action was that um, threats were being made to neighbors with the firearm mm-hmm. and the, the police said there was nothing we can do it's about that until you know there was actually something that the family had to do over all, everything and then while, while moving stuff out of the apartment we were like, oh, there's a firearm. Oh, there's a concealed carry. How did this person even get this? Right. There's obviously mental health issues and history involved. And it was, it was, there was a definitely a hole in the process there. Well, it's a horrible thing for families to have to deal with and not be able to do anything about it. And I want to add that it's temporary. Right. The, the firearms will be returned right. once the person is in a better position. Okay. Well, and I can tell you right now that 
HB 175 was not being um, implemented by this family member, yes. uh, which is yeah. the secure gun storage bill introduced by Brewer and Miranda. Uh, can you tell us about that a little bit? Well, safe storage, um, we know But that by the way, really quick, I just want to tell everybody that I'm not that smart. They handed me all these notes <laughs> that this is mom's demand planning this all right here. I don't think that I did all this research. It came in here this smart. Um, but go, go ahead, Mimi. Sorry. Well, no problem. The importance of safe storage <laughs> is um, that we know thousands of, of um, accidental shootings occur when children have um, easy access to firearms. So this safe storage we know prevents so many issues. So yes, uh, uh, accidental shootings with a child, um, suicide. We know when there is a gun in the home, suicide rates jump. Mm -hmm. so, um, and the, the lethal aspect of gun suicide uh, is reduced when people don't have access to a gun. So we've got, you know, accidental shootings by anybody, but particularly children, gun suicide, guns being stolen. Um, we hear all the time from the other side, oh, well, if someone wants to access a gun, they can. Well, they can because we don't have safe storage bills. So you can bring your gun anywhere, keep it on the seat in your car, and it gets stolen, and now is able to commit crimes and so that will um, make an impact, make a big dent in that issue. So, so th that's why we're for safe storage. Yeah. So, so this bill would, would put responsibility onto the gun owner. Right. And yes. if that gun is stolen or used in a, crimin in, in, in a crime, it would be the responsibility of not only the owner of the gun, or I'm sorry, the person committing the crime, but also the owner of the Correct. firearm. Correct. It, it diminishes. Yes. It, it right. makes it people lives. responsible. There's no question yeah. that safe storage would save lives. There was just a tragic story this morning locally that I read about a two-year-old who shot and killed his pregnant mother. I just want to add that we know from research that safe storage, I think a lot of people feel that they have a gun in the house for self-protection. That's fine. But... Safe storage doesn't mean you will not be able to have access to your weapon if there's an intruder. It, it really, um, the time spent accessing your gun and ammunition with a safe storage, whether it's a gun lock, whether it's, um, you know, a smart gun, we know that that's not going to be what makes the difference. So safe storage is, is a smart responsible thing it's for one us. of the things too that you wonder how could anybody be against this mm -hmm. so is a one thing that would help um stop gun violence especially in schools um arming teachers no no, no. <laughs> you, you say no um so this is another bill that was passed that is not a good thing um to arm to allow teachers to be armed in schools in classroom as a deterrent for gun violence or school yes. shootings yes with the about 26 hours of 24 training. 24 hours 24. of training. I just like to give them the benefit yeah, of the doubt. Um, it is, um, <laughs> and it's not only teachers. Well, why would you give them the benefit of the doubt with that one? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just trying to think, think that, I don't know. <laughs> there's think a there's lot of some, numbers There's in some this sense somewhere. Oh, okay, okay. But the, um, that, and, and again, it's not only teachers. It's staff. Okay. Um, Anyone in the school. Yeah, yes. Um, and as I recall that when this was going around in the state house, and it's been a few years, but um, even say somebody in the community who wants to volunteer to carry 
that weapon in that school um, would be able to do so. Uh, yeah. And one thing we know from our data is that children are less safe in the presence of a gun. That is same oh. with domestic violence as and well. In addition, the the law that was passed in Ohio that allows school boards to say that staff and teachers can be armed in that school district, it has no, um, they say nothing about where will that gun be stored, just talking about safe storage. Mm. So we, you know, we wondered about that because there have been instances in other states where guns were left by a teacher in the bathroom and a right. child takes it. And we know children... Because you just forget. I mean, well, n- not intentional, but you just, well, oh, right, of course. you forget oh, your purse, you no, forget your cell no phone, you forget your wallet. But, yeah. but in, and we forgot know my that, firearm in the school bathroom. <laughs> I mean, if, if a teacher has a locked uh, you know, cabinet full of snacks, the kids are going to figure out how to get in there. The kids are going to find things. Kids mm-hmm. are, they're smart. They're crafty. And yeah, it's just it just brings more danger. And again... That goes back to the good guy with a gun, because when law enforcement comes on the scene, how do they know that the gym teacher isn't the mass shooter? How do they know? I, I, went, I, I went to middle school. Yeah, anyway, when I, when I was in middle school, it doesn't matter where I went to middle school. But when I was in middle school, there was this one kid. I was in seventh grade. Maybe he was in eighth grade. It doesn't matter. But, but you know how some kids just get big. They, they grow quick. <laughs> and this, this kid was probably 6'5". 275 300 pounds he was a big kid like he, he i think he was definitely on the football team and we were and we were buddies so i was happy yeah that's good uh, so <laughs> uh, but I, I remember i remember that um he uh, got into a fight with a teacher and it took about three teachers to to get that kid down and now i don't now i was thinking to myself when it comes to this it's like you know tempers are flaring the kid is obviously a big kid uh, upset 14 15 years old um what if the Teachers were armed. Could he get the gun? Could the teachers be at a I'm risking for my life moment and sh- start shooting in the school themselves? There's there's so many horrifying scenarios. Right. Guess what? Do we do any kind of, of mental health screening for our teachers? I love teachers, but I don't I don't love an armed teacher with twenty four hours of training, you know, in the classroom. And twenty four kids love that. in the classroom. Right. And multiple classroom classes a day. There's nothing good about this, but at the end of the day, the research also says that. It, I, I, I want to ask you just about the, and we're going to move on here in a little bit because I want to talk about uh, Moms Demands uh, Solutions. We talked about a little bit about the legislation, but um, I just want to talk about how you feel in general. Because when I look at this, I look at a school that's not only becoming bulletproof. You mentioned, mentioned Andrea, about see-through backpacks. I was just watching a video the other day where this company is creating ways so you can barricade the door and unfold to make a uh, basically turn your your room your school classroom into a bulletproof slash entry proof with special doors that you you automatically clamp down, mm-hmm. and then you have an armed teacher on top of that and cops running around your school patrolling. It doesn't seem like a nice place to be. No, it doesn't seem and- like a happy environment. I can tell you that when my son was starting kindergarten, um, and this would have been 20 years ago, um, we had a school, the the principal had like a state of the schools meeting. And I remember then, because like I said, Columbine happened when he was four weeks. I had, that was one of my chief concerns is that my kids, my son was going to be safe 
and I had his classmates, of course, in their school. And I asked about that. What are we going to do? Are you going to put metal detectors at the door? And I remember the superintendent saying, we do not want our schools to be, you know, like prisons. We do not want that. But look how far we've come. What was that, what was that movie when we, were, when we were younger, maybe the 80s, 90s? Was it Stand By Me where there was violence in like a school with a lot of violence? And it was just like one of those like dystopian things. It's like I, there's, there's metal detectors going to the school. It's just like... Oh my gosh, that's a bad place. But, but that is seems to be part of the plan. And the word that I couldn't think of before was fortify. And that's mm. what they always talk about is fortifying the schools. They're, as I said, to me, they keep, and, and, and it costs money to do that. I mean, it costs money that they could be spending on Mental good, health. yeah, on good investments on, you know. If and, it worked, I think we would be all behind it. And there right. would be no controversy. But it, it's not effective. Um, mental health, uh, access to mental health is effective. Threat assessment, uh, where there may be, you know, easy access for a shooter, but also threat assessment for a student at risk that is has a, a trouble situation. Those are and, and helping that student. Those are things that will be right. um, effective in diminishing gun violence. Mm-hmm. We right. we should not be in a situation where we are talking about barricading and fortifying. No, no and I, I actually have a poster board in my car <laughs> that I made myself for our assault weapons ban march a few weeks ago, and it says protect kids, not guns. And to me, again, the fortifying of the schools, all these other, I'm just going to say it, ridiculous ideas that they think are going to stop a school shooting. I want you to clear up any stigma people might have about moms. You said at the beginning, not anti-gun, anti-gun violence. It's very easy for a GO- somebody from the GOP, a Republican, to look at them and say, oh, they're just anti-Second Amendment, anti-gun. Uh, they want to take your guns. They're part of an authoritarian Democrat regime that wants to steal everybody's freedoms. Clear that up for us. Yeah, I mean, absolutely not true. Yes, we get called gun grabbers when they see us in our red <laughs> shirts. Uh, you have to tell your dad's little joke, right? Oh, yeah. My dad always <laughs> jokes that probably when they see us coming down the hall, they start thinking of, of new bad gun bills, oh, yeah. new ways to loosen gun restrictions when they see us coming. But, um, no, we have many gun owners in our, in our movement, um, hunters. Um, we need more of those people to be involved in our movement and speaking out. But no, we do not. Uh, we would never take on the Second Amendment. That is not who we are. That's not what we want. Right. And again, as I said before, I think responsible gun owners, that's who they're interested in the same things we're interested in. Um, and please, if you're listening and you're a responsible gun owner, join Moms Demand yeah. Action. And how would they do that? How do they contact you? Yeah. Um, well, is there always a text? I believe uh, there's always a text, uh, R-E-A-D-Y, ready to 64433. That will hook them into their local chapter. Okay. We're the good guys. Well, I, I will I will say Moms is almost everywhere. Everywhere I go when, during the campaign season, you guys are just showing up. We are. Hashtag Moms are everywhere. 
Hashtag moms are everywhere. Yes. And can I just mention, as we were talking about getting um, in touch with your legislators, mm-hmm. um, I and this is one I never use because I always go to just the House or just the Senate, so I have to cheat and look at the um, Earl. If people need to know who their rep or state senator is, um, this is obviously all in Ohio, legislature.ohio.gov, and you can find who your rep and your senator are and then build a relationship. Start telling them what you want to see and what you don't want to see. Pick up the phone and call and watch them on Ohio Channel. And also, <laughs> I, you know, you don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be a, a lobbyist. You, you have to be a citizen, and this has to bother you. And then you get to make the phone call to your lawmaker. That's the hardest part, though, is just making the phone call. You're nervous. You're kind of like, oh, they're going to judge me. They're going to laugh at me. Somebody's going to be on the other line listening to my my answering the answering machine message and making fun of me on the on the house floor. You know what? You and you just said it. Yes, often you will get a voicemail. Um, The senators and the reps never answer the phones in their office. (laughs) So you're either going to get an aide. Ours in particular. (laughs) Who is yours? uh, Jerry Serino. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've tried. And, yeah, <laughs> for months. Um, and the aides, 90%, if not more of the time, they're friendly. They take down a message. We often say, like, especially when there's a bill that's moving through the state house, they just tally. You call and you say, you know, I want my lawmaker to be a no on House Bill 51, for example, mm-hmm. which is right now um, in the state house, which is trying to emulate Missouri and be a Second Amendment sanctuary state. That's one that when you do go on ohiolegislature.gov and you see who it is, please let your <laughs> please. senator know that we do not want to see that go any further. Mimi, Andrea, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time, driving all the way down here to the thank offices you. to sit down with us. And um, I applaud your work. I applaud the position that you're taking. I applaud the uh, not anti-gun, but anti-gun violence uh, position. And I really hope that people look more into um, groups like yours and not dismiss them because of a, what is it? Was just called a, a political or a bias a stigma that they put on it. So I want to say thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, Thanks thank for you. having us. Can I just add something about the, and this, you'll have to just put this right back up in the top of the, <laughs> of the podcast. But Go for it. When you mentioned that, again, about not being anti-gun, it just brings to mind the stand your ground laws because- We've always had the right to defend ourselves. And Moms Demand Action believes in that right Mm -hmm. to defend yourself. Responsible gun owners, we're going to harp on that. We had the right before Stand Your Ground. Stand Your Ground will now, now in Ohio, will allow you to be anywhere in public and you can shoot first. That's what we call those shoot first. With lethal force and even in a situation where you could walk away. Right no duty to retreat and that is but but it just again what reminded me is that you said we're not anti-gun we understand that sometimes you may need a gun to defend yourself it, and, I, and i wanted to uh, you know double mention that basically because well first of all there are plenty of democrats as, as you said that you know are gun owners responsible gun owners believe, or i grew up with gr- guns shooting guns there's a couple of people in this office have grown up with guns and they're they're democrats and they're out there they're doing the work for democrats and some democratic policies. Um, and it, it's very easy to create a divide between yes. 
you know, and, and the more that we break down those barriers and try to get into those nuances, understanding, and people could go to like the open carry uh, policy or um, the stand your ground policy and get into those nuances and have those discussions. But those discussions can't happen if we already built a wall between the two thing and, oh, moms, they're anti-Second Amendment. They're going to take guns. They're going to do all that stuff. Conversation over. Right. And if we don't have that conversation, we don't call our legislators. If we do not pr- start asking about these nuances and Republicans and Democrats, both the, both the same, start saying, hey, this is what we believe, and actually trying to solve and carve and shape this policy instead of the lobbyists and the corporations and the special interests and a very vocal few, we're going to be in this deb- divide for a very, very long time. I feel bad because you're not getting rid of us anytime soon one thing i would you mean like out of this to, office yeah oh um forever um no and one thing i want to say about that is we the the most growing area of gun violence is in rural areas it is it is not just happening you know people i think well it's going on down there no it's actually it's right. not it's we not know an violent urban problem crime. solely an urban problem it is not right yeah so it's um it is it is a rural problem as well, and people in rural areas uh, need to realize it may not have, you know, hit them personally yet. Mm-hmm. But um, we know from the research, it, it is the most growing area. Well, I, mean, I, th- I think that we just see that you know it's almost history repeats itself. I mean, we saw that with um, addiction epidemics. Right. It was an urban problem when it was crack, you know, and now it's a fentanyl problem, and that's a very that's affecting a lot of different people, urban and rural, but also rural in a lot of, you know, very rural counties here in Ohio and in the Midwest. And, you know, these things, people have to understand that you just can't affect one group of people or one section of your state and it not spill over. Right. It is, right. We, are, we are all connected and we exactly. all have to be communicating. And look, I campaigned in uh, Cuyahoga, Wayne County, Holmes County, mm-hmm. Medina County. It is different, mm-hmm. but th- but at the end of the day, you have to understand where people are coming from, um, mm-hmm. and and really have that communication and the nuance. Mm-hmm. One thing with the gun conversation, and I and I and I, it was almost very a very hard thing to campaign on coming from, of somebody who lives in say a densely populated area, say Cuyahoga County somewhere, and say why does anybody even have have guns to go down to somebody in in Wayne, go into their farm where there is miles between houses and. If you call the cops, it's going to take a half hour to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Say, hey, we have guns for different reasons. Not only to protect our farms, our cattle, our families. The cops are not going to get here as soon as possible, you know? Right. It's like there's reasons why we also have firearms. You know, it's not just you take my gun. So there's a whole different conversation. And take my gun is taking my safety, my security, my livelihood right. in some of these rural areas. But as you just said, I mean, it's it's the extremist messaging that's exactly. making them believe Exactly. That we want to take their guns. Exactly. We understand that viewpoint. We that, understand that. Exactly. And that's why I was, yes. and that's what I'm trying to explain because when, because as a Democrat, even walking into those right. conversations, they're like, "Oh, you're that guy. You're exactly. gonna take my guns." And I I grew up shooting. I yeah. grew up with responsible yeah. gun owners. Right. And I, I'm I'm not that guy. 100 percent right. not that guy. Right. And and so it's always an interesting thing to say. Hey, there's already already a wall there. So we're always gonna either get this conversation or that conversation right and and that has to be broken down absolutely we have to be able to communicate we have we can meet in the middle and that's just it the majority of us are somewhere in that middle Mm -hmm. but we're not as loud as the extreme sides 
and unfortunately, but I do think that's true. When we meet people in small groups or one-on-one, and I mean, like you said, you walk into a place like that running as a Democrat, we walk in someplace with these shirts. Right. <laughs> so we know that feeling, but yeah, we, we just, we have to get the message across. I mean, we understand that that was an argument that was made by the proponents of arming teachers in Ohio, which you know that we have arming teachers in Ohio. Oh. See, man, all you had to do was say goodbye to us. I know. And now we're like, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Yeah. This, 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 this is the fun part. I might put another new batteries in the, in, in the uh, cameras. But, well, we have to wrap this up somehow. We just can't leave it on a, you know, open-ended. Actually, we could leave it open-ended. Um, but it's, it's really frustrating to understand to know that these conversations aren't having or being had and you know just as somebody who's you know out there talking to people a lot have has have this podcast i know you guys are the same way that door is always shut and you and you have to pry it open just to get people to talk to you and actually try to understand where you're coming from besides calling your representatives besides you know just being part of like mom's demand or you know advocating what do you suggest people to do how do you how do you suggest this conversation to be more fruitful to get people to actually have the nuanced conversation to not just shut people off because of the d or the r in front of their name or the mom's demand or the orange shirt for june yeah yeah i mean you know i would encourage people to get out of their echo chambers and that's just such a huge problem that's hard everywhere yes i mean i know it's it's also boring (laughs) (laughs) well you know you're you're invested you know finding the truth right now is on the consumer and that's that requires time i want to take that back it's not boring it's absolutely not boring but go ahead um no it's it's work to find out yeah. What is the truth? And, right. And it's aggravating and frustrating and all those fun things. Well, that's that's a good point. Consuming, it's on right? the consumer. Yeah. And um, that's not right, but that's our reality. And so I think in in any story, you um, the onus is on you to really get a grasp of what the issue is and and who's doing what to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you if you actually get on the Everytown website and you look at data and facts and research, you will find it there. And then you will understand our work and what the issues are surrounding yeah. every element of gun violence and guns and gun history and, and every piece of what has contributed to our situation today. And how to fix it. Right. And and I think everybody needs to ask themselves, do you, what kind of society do you want to live in? Do you want to live somewhere where over 1,700 Ohioans die every year from gun violence? Do you, you know, those numbers just keep going up. I mean, I think it's the annual gun violence death from, you know, when I started to now, I mean, I'm not even sure what the number is to tell you the truth. It used to be 40,000, but I think it's at least 50 now. So, you know, do you want to live in that kind of society? I, I got to believe that if people really were introspective, they don't. Damn it, you guys. I'm, there's going to be more questions. <laughs> more, more questions, and I actually should have moved that camera over here. I said I got the 4 o'clock. I got the <laughs> Zoom. I could even take it in my car and have my camera <laughs> off. Lunch, we could. <laughs> Why are people so anti continuing education when it comes to be, having being licensed for a gun. I'm a, I'm a motorcycle rider. I took a class to get my motorcycle license. 
if I want to be an instructor, the state of Ohio says I have to take a 90-hour course, and that course has to be within two years of my basic writing course if I want to be an instructor. My girlfriend's a doctor. She has to do CME. She has to have so many hours every year of, of continuing medical education. As you said, police officers. You know, as you said, you know, there's so many, um, I think even electricians. Right. Um, a nail technician. Nail technicians. There you go. Real yeah. estate. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think people are against it. I think I think that the NRA is against those things, but, and they just want to make it easier. But why? To... No, this is what I don't understand, because it could be good business as well. Couldn't the NRA just have a course themselves and well, they say used to. the um, NRA, and yeah. they could just take money? If you, if you look at the history of the NRA, they, they pushed responsible gun ownership. That was their, in, their yeah. jam. Yeah. It was, was uh, jam. Yes. educating, education. It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, no, I mean, we have, uh, there's no, they don't have to, right? I mean, so. so I just don't understand the benefit, though, and I'm, I'm trying to under, understand because, well, okay, the, fine, you can, sell, you can sell more guns, but it, guns, but what, yeah. what cash? You gun can have industry right, and our manufacturers. Yeah. Right. But you can have, you could have that and more. Uh, well. I just don't understand. Um, I think, well, we have a, one of our Moms Doing in Action um, volunteers is a professor, and she has testified with regard to training requirements. Um, if she didn't have exams, would her students study? No, you have to, you, you know, some people want education. Some people want right. training. But if it's not required, a lot of the people who are busy, don't have the interest or time, aren't going to. And I do think that this is... Um, I think this piece, while it is disguised as your Second Amendment right, that is bullshit. I mean, it is money. It is money for the gun industry. It is. Yeah, no, I knew we were going to get into I'm real sorry. talk around 50 minutes in. That's oh, why. Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, it, it is money for <laughs> lawmakers. Oh, bring it, bring it. It, is, it is money for um, anyone involved in making money on firearms. Read Ryan Bussey's book. And I can never remember oh, the name of the right. book. But he worked, Ryan, B-U-S-S-E. He worked for a gun manufacturer. And he wrote a book all about, he basically is putting all this on the gun manufacturer, saying this is why we are where we are in this country. I mean, it's all just self-motivation. It's all just, um, again, going back to what I was saying, that they're, they're not looking towards trying to solve the problem because... To them, it's not a problem. It is putting cash in their pockets. It is maybe getting them a bigger yacht every year. I'm not exactly sure. But it doesn't really seem that they care what it's doing to 50,000 Americans and more every right, year. because they've got the plane. Did you, I, I mean, you're probably aware, but I don't think most people are. But the gun industry has, um, they, there's very um, few lawsuits that have been brought against the gun industry. They have indemnity, is that what it is? You can sue the gun industry for very few things. And um, that is something that was voted by you know our Congress in Washington, DC. So I mean, there is, there's tremendous amount of greed and irresponsibility and not really caring about the future, mm -hmm. um, but about the present. Andrea, we're going to try this again. <laughs> Three's thank, a charm. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for listening to the Cuyahoga County Democratic Party's podcast. 
Cuyahoga today. Tune in next week for our latest show and find out all of the latest information that's happening right here in your community. Show your support by going to www.cuydem.com and make a contribution. Do you have any questions about the show? Is there a topic you want us to cover? Or is there someone you want us to interview? If so, you can reach out to me at M-D-I-E-M-E-R at C-U-Y-D-E-M.com. That's M-Demer at Kydem.com. Thank you again for joining our podcast. Until next week.